0: In Tallahassee, you're listening to ninety four point one Wave ninety four. Escape to Heaven, coming live from Heaven on Earth Ministries of Jesus Christ with Servant Marcia. You know, yesterday I was sitting talking to the Lord and just loving the Word of God. And um, as I read the Word, I learned that um, there are times. When repentance is not enough. Now, that just blew my mind because I was always thinking that if I repented, that everything's good, that God and I are good. But I have found out by reading the word of God that we can get to a position in our life where repentance is not enough. I'm going to escape right now to the Word of God. And let's see if you come to the same understanding that I did. And then the question is, what do we do when repentance is not enough? Oh, wow. (laughs) So we're going to go to 2 Kings, the 22nd chapter. I have my big old Bible starting at the eighth verse. And, you know, this is during the time right before like like Hezekiah, uh, there's a king at this time. Um, let's see, what king is this? But <clears throat> the point is, this is the king of uh, Josiah, right? So it's after the death of Hezekiah, after Manasseh. And if you remember who Manasseh was, that is the child that King Hezekiah had during those fifteen years of grace that the Lord extended to him, and Hezekiah's son Manasseh turned out to be a horrible king because he caused uh, the entire country to commit abominations and to provoke God to wrath. Uh, he spilled so much innocent blood. Um, It was said that he could fill Jerusalem from one end to another. He allowed his children to be burnt and pass through the fire. But after Manasseh, there came a king who started to reign when he was eight years old, and that was Josiah, Okay, and he reigned 31 years. Now, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of David, his uh, great-grandmother, he didn't turn to the left or the right, and um, if we get to so I gave you the context, and now we're going to go to the Word of God, Second Kings, twenty second chapter, starting at the eighth verse. And Hilkai the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, "I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord." So they were kind of like excavating, rebuilding, uh, perfecting the house of the Lord. And uh, Shafan the scribe, came to the king and brought the king word, saying that the servants have gathered the money uh, that was found in the house, delivered it into the hand of them that do the work and have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shafan the scribe, showed the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, has also given me a book, and he began to read it to the king. And it came to pass that when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. And um, and really, when you rent your clothes, that's you kind of laying yourself out before the Lord and asking for grace and mercy and repenting for the sins. And uh, verse number 13, he says, go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according unto all that which is written concerning us. And so they went to the woman of God, uh, prophetess Huldah, and uh, she said unto them, Thus say the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man that sent you to me. Thus said the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book, which the king of Judah hath read. Why? Because they have forsaken me and have burned incense, meaning they've worshipped unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands, Therefore, my wrath shall be kindled against this place, and it shall not be quenched. Now, that's really important to understand, that, that you could get to a place of sin, a position of sin against God, where he has no choice but to release his wrath upon you. And if we look at our society today, we can see that it seems as if we're moving towards that position. Now here's what else the Lord said through the prophetess. But to the king of Judah which sent you to inquire of the Lord thus shall you say to him thus said the Lord God of Israel as touching the words which thou hast heard because thine heart was tender and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord. And that's what the renting of the clothes are that's humbling before the Lord. When you heard what I spoke against this place, against the inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse and has rent thy clothes and wept before me. I also have heard thee, said the Lord. So it is good to when you are brought to an understanding of your wickedness and your rebellion against the Lord, that you repent. Because by repenting, there is a possibility that the Lord himself will at least hear you as he did with King Josiah. And uh, if you are earnest in your repentance, then listen to what God could possibly extend to you as he did with King Josiah in verse 20. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and you shall be gathered into your grave in peace. And your eyes will not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. So, there is a point where you and I, believers and sinners, all of us, that we could get so far out in our rebellion against the Lord, worshiping of the gods and doing perverse behavior, that God's wrath is forced to be released. But if you do earnestly repent, there is a possibility that you will not see or experience the wrath itself when it's released. And that's what the Lord did with King Josiah. But let's remember what the conversation is today. It says, when repentance is not enough. So in King Josiah's personal life, he did not experience the wrath of God. Let's go on to chapter 23. We're in 2 Kings. And the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, prophets, all the people, big, small, he read, the king read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord, to keep his commandments, his testimonies, his statues with all their hearts, their soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book, the book of the Lord, and all the people stood to the covenant. Then the king commanded Helkai, the high priest, to bring forth out of the temple all the vessels. So, all right, let's stop. So when we repent, I don't know if you remember about um, John the Baptist, when the Pharisees came over uh, and they were watching everyone get uh, baptized if I remember correctly, John the Baptist screamed at them and said, you vipers, uh, or something like that. Who told you? <laughs> who told you to, uh, come here and be delivered? You know, go back and, and do works of repentance. I remember that in the word of God. And that was, uh, something that, um, John the Baptist had said to the Pharisees. But anyway, let's keep rolling. We're in Second Kings, the 23rd chapter. So when you repent, there should be actions. There should be something that you do that's obvious and open so that the entire world know that you have repented. And this is what King Josiah did. He said, take all of the vessels that were made for the false god Baal, Right, And they have a lot of Baal worship here in the United States. I mean, they have the the bull that's all over New York, and I believe I saw it in Seattle as well. And I think even in New York, they raised an idol to Baal. But King Josiah, once that word of God was made known to him, and he brought it to all of the people of his nation, He immediately took the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove. And the grove is like where they go, like a big, huge park. And I was in Israel. I was at, uh, I saw the grove. I did. uh, Of uh, Pan, I believe it was, P-A-N. And that's like an area where you go and this is where you're dancing and fornicating and drinking and doing everything, almost like how we have concerts today. And um, that's where they would worship these idol gods or these fallen angels or whatever. Entities might be a more appropriate word. So King Josiah had the priests to take all of the vessels made for Baal and for the grove, and and listen to this, for all the host of heaven. He burnt them outside of Jerusalem in the fields of Kadron, carried the ashes over to Bethel. Then he put down, now when I see the word put down, I mean, when you put somebody down, that means that to me, you kill them or you deactivate them. So I am assuming that in the Bible where it says, and he put down, the idolatrous priests whom the king of Jordan had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Jerusalem uh, and Judah. And he put those those priests down. To me, that means he killed them, the priests that were burning incense unto Baal, to the sun, to the moon, to the planets, and to all the host of heaven. So they were worshiping, Heaven. They were worshiping the creation, but not the Creator. <laughs> and He brought out, we're still in 2 Kings 23rd chapter, verse number six. Uh, he brought out from the grove, from the house of the Lord, and burnt it, and stamped it small to powder, and cast the powder upon the graves of the children. Of the people, because a part of their idolatry, uh, Israel, was that they worshiped Moloch. Therefore, they put their children, burnt their children unto a God. And then he broke down the houses of the Sodomites. In our day and time, Sodomites are the gay people, that population. And those and the men specifically were called sodomites. So he broke down the houses, destroyed the houses of the sodomites, where the by the house of the Lord, where the the women were making the hangings for the grove. What does this all mean? It means a lot. King Josiah repented not just with his mouth, but with his actions. He destroyed everything that he could put his hands on that represented idolatry or was a part of it. So he destroyed the houses of the Sodomites. He destroyed, uh, well, the section over there where the women were making the, the hangings for the groves. He brought out all the priests that had defiled and and he defiled the high places where the priests had burnt incense. He broke down the high places of the gates. I saw the gates that were in the entering in of the gate of Joshua. Um He destroyed everything that he could destroy. The priests that were eating unleavened bread in front of the congregation. Um He defiled Topheth, which is the valley of the children of Hinnom, so that no more would children pass through the fire of Molech. I said it. And then um, he destroyed altars that were raised up by the wicked kings of Hazah, ha Manazah. And uh, he, he took the altars and broke them down and made them into dirt and threw them into the brook kindred. And the high places, high places mean places where you go and worship other gods. Okay, uh, those things he destroyed. Because during the era of King Solomon, at the end of King Solomon's life, he worshiped uh, the gods because of the many wives that he had from these different cultures that were paganistic. And, and try to remember that back during the days of the towel of Babel, you know, the Lord separated the entire world into those pagan countries, which were about 70 of them. And then he pulled out one lineage for himself that he would allow this one lineage to display his righteousness, his justness, his law, his statues, and those were the Israelites. But yet, we now see that the Israelites became more wicked than even the pagan countries. And so, King Josiah, in verse 13, he's destroying Um, all these altars that were built up to idol gods, such as Astora, Zidonian uh, abomination, uh, Jamash, which was representing the Moabites, uh, Milcom, that represented the children of Ammon. He broke all the images into pieces and cut down the groves and filled their places with the bones of men. And then there was another altar in Bethel, And uh, these were high places that the Israelites were worshiping. And again, he burnt the high place down. He stamped it small to powder and he burnt the grove. And then he spied sepulchres. He was going to burn those up as well and burn them. There was one sepulcher he did not burn. And that is the sepulchre, meaning the grave, of a man of God which came from Judah and proclaimed all the things that King Josiah was going to do. And so King Josiah said, leave that righteous man alone that came out of Samaria. But the King Josiah destroyed all the high places throughout the entire Jerusalem and Samaria. He slew all the priests that, um, offered up these sacrifices to these fallen angels that represented themselves as gods. They were nothing but demons. And King Josiah destroyed all evidence that he could discover of idolatry. And then he turned to his people and said, now we will start keeping the Passover unto the Lord your God as it is written in the book. Of his covenant, and there had not been a Passover in Israel since the days of the judges, and that means really before the kings, because if you know the history of Israel, uh, you know they were first being led by God Himself, then the judges, then the kings, and so the Word of God says in Second Kings chapter twenty-three, verse twenty-two that there had not been such a Passover since the days of the judges. Now, verse 24 says that King Josiah did not stop there. He also dealt with magic and witchcraft and wizards and familiar spirits and idols and images. And he destroyed everything that went against the word of God. That was true repentance. But what about if that still was not enough? Because God had said that he would release his wrath upon the people of Israel and for you and I to know, God did actually do that. That is why the Israelites today are still scattered all around the world because God said he would do it. But um, Verse twenty five, second Kings twenty third chapter it says and unto Josiah there was no king ever like him before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart, soul, and might according to the law of Moses, neither after him arose another like him. But notwithstanding that, verse twenty six, the Lord turned not from the fierceness of his great wrath, wherewith his anger was kindled against Judah because of all of the provocations that Manasseh had provoked him with. And Judah said, I will remove Judah out of my sight as I have removed Israel. And I will cast off this city, Jerusalem, which I have chosen and the house of which I said, my name shall be there. So even though King Josiah did all that he did, it did not prevent the wrath of god being executed as we have seen historically against the the 12 tribes of the israelites so my heart was kind of sad and i said wow so god's judgment it did not go away because the israelites still suffered um they and 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 some are possibly even still suffering today because not all of Israelites are in Israel as of this moment because they are scattered throughout the entire planet. And as they are, as God is bringing them together, they're coming together, but they have experienced God's wrath. And notice what the length of time. I mean, when Jesus was here, he said it was going to happen. And, um, and I think around the year 70, Uh, The Romans came uh, through Titus, or whatever his name was, but that king came and destroyed the Israelites. And they were gone from their country for almost 2,000 years, almost. They were not reinstated until 1948. So the wrath of God was executed, and only starting in 1948, 75 years ago, uh, are we beginning to see that they're coming back, the Israelites, to Israel. But I wanted to say, then what what is this? Well, what we're looking at is called one word. When repentance is not enough, then it is grace that will be sufficient. And that our grace came through Jesus. You know, um, over here in Ephesians, it talks about, for by grace are we saved, okay? And not of yourselves. So it's the gift of God, which is Jesus, not of works, lest any man should boast. When repentance is not enough, then grace rises up and stands up for the image of God, okay? So if we go over to Hebrews, it says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So there are examples in the Bible going all the way back to Cain. When Cain killed Abel, repentance was not enough to remove the consequences of the wrath of God being extended. However, God's grace put a mark on Cain so that people would not just arbitrarily kill him. Likewise with David, or or actually we could go to Noah. Yeah, let's go there. Noah, the Word of God says that Noah in Genesis 6 chapter found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So the entire world was united in wickedness and rebellion and in union with the fallen angels against God, revolt. But Noah found grace. When repentance is not enough, then grace prevails. That's what we're learning likewise with uh, David. when David went into Bethsheba um, he repented. he laid out before the Lord after the prophet Nathan um, the baby lingered for a few days and then died. but here again um, the wrath of God, the consequences of rebellion. If I remember correctly, the prophet Nathan said that the sword shall never leave the house of David, and it did not. David's family suffered greatly, was completely divided in many ways. His daughter was raped by one of his sons. The other son killed the other son. The other son raised up against him and tried to take his kingdom And his right hand man went and killed his son. So, consequences or the wrath of God is not always averted because of repentance. But in the midst of that, there is that one word grace. Because where sin abounds, the word of God tells us, I believe in Romans, grace abounds much more. I have answered my question. I mean, grace is the key. I want to read more about this grace because um, grace allows us to be accepted in the beloved. Amen? And the beloved means that we have access to our Father. We have redemption. We are redeemed through the blood of Jesus and the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace. So I'm going to pray now, even if we're dead in our sins and quickened together with Christ, then by grace are we saved through faith and not of ourselves, because why? It is a gift of God. So when repentance is not enough to avert God's wrath, grace abounds. Father God, we go into prayer today and we ask you, Lord, to look down upon our lives individually, look down upon our nation, the world, Lord God. And even when we repent and it does not remove the curses of the behavior, but God, you sent your son, Jesus. And through Jesus, we are able to be reconciled back unto you through grace by our faith. And God, we do not know how to thank you, but we do ask that you extend your grace even the more in this hour upon our society, upon this world, upon Russia, Ukraine, Israel, Turkey, China, Asia, Japan, Hawaii, United States, Brazil, South America, Europe, England. Lord, extend your grace, Canada, through this entire world as sin abound, as repentance may not, is not enough to cancel your wrath that is coming as detailed in Revelations. We still ask for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let it be done. Thank you, Lord. I love you guys, and I just want you to be encouraged like I am because when I saw the grace of God, I said, my God, how grateful I am that Jesus found me. If you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, I'm going to tell you now, repeat with me. Say, I confess with my mouth, I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God, raised from the dead by the power of God. And guess what? You've stepped from unforgiveness, rebellion, into right standing with God. And even though you repent, the grace of God is there as well. God bless you. Be encouraged. Bye. We'll be